Welcome to Brand Story Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Today on Brand Story Inc., we continue our future of sports content series with an episode dedicated to sports technology investment. Isaiah Kazavinsky, a.k.a. Kaz, is the co-founder of Will Ventures, a research-backed early-stage venture fund focused on consumer, health, and media. Will Ventures has 19, cor- 19 companies in his portfolio and is backed by endowments, foundations, 15 professional sports team owners, and founders from leading venture capital and private equity firms. You may have heard about them via their partnership with One Team Partners, which enables them to leverage group marketing and licensing rights of over 4,000 professional athletes in both men's and women's sports. It's a fascinating story. He comes highly regarded from mutual friends of ours, and at one point in his life, he was homeless. He managed to earn not one, but two degrees from Harvard University, where he played football, and then had a stellar eight-year NFL career with the Seattle Seahawks. Isaiah's story, which was featured by NFL Films, was nominated for an Emmy Award. And I've put it in the show notes on our Brand Story Inc. page on TeamWorksMedia.com so you can view this. His grit and determination, as you'll hear, come through in his approach to Will Ventures Investments. And in my opinion, he's one of the foremost authorities on where the puck is going in sports technology and the flow of investment dollars from coast to coast. Following Isaiah's career with the Seattle Seahawks, he acted as Global Head of Business Development at MC10 and co-founded the premier sports tech research and advisory firm, Sports Innovation Lab. Prior to founding Will Ventures, Isaiah was the managing partner at Blue Star Innovation Partners, where he led the firm's sports technology investment practice. He is an advisor and investor to more than 25 companies across sports, technology, biotech, consumer, media, and sports medicine. Isaiah also serves on more than 10 industry advisory boards, including the executive board of the USC Center for Body Computing, the Sports Advisory Board for the Center for Bio-Integrated Electronics at my alma mater, Northwestern University, the NFLPA Health and Safety Committee, and the National Advisory Board for the Positive Coaching Alliance. It's hard not to feel the infectious positivity from Isaiah and his work at Will Ventures. I hope you enjoy this episode with Isaiah as much as I did as we go deep on the future of sports technology content investment in our Future of Sports content series. This episode was recorded March 25th, 2022. All right, welcome to the show, Isaiah. Excited to have you on. Thanks for having me, Jay. Well, I want to jump right in. Uh, you know, there's a pretty lengthy bio, um, and you are, congratulations, episode 102 in the first Harvard grad, and definitely the, the only one with two degrees, so kudos to you on that. But <laughs> but ex- all that means nothing, as you know, as it relates to uh, starting a company like you have. So would love for you to start with the backstory of Will Ventures. How did it come to be? Uh, yeah, well, first off, on the, on the two Harvard degrees, I always say, you know, any degree is a piece of paper, right? It's, it's kind of that entire experience uh, that you take with you. So definitely a take of that approach. But uh, yeah, Will Ventures, uh, I could, I'll, I'll bring you through a, a couple of different kind of phases that really, really led to what is Will Ventures. But my co-founder and I, Brian uh, Riley, have, have been working together for 11 years, first as entrepreneurs, uh, but really crystallizing this thesis around how does sports broadly defined, open up massive adjacencies. And for far too long, it's it always been narrowly defined into you know a very, very narrow segment. We're saying, hey, how does sports open up 
you know, uh, you know, large adjacencies in consumer health and media uh, primarily, right? And being mm-hmm. able to really have that sector-specific lens to touch large generalist markets and do that with a way that's, um, you know, identification of, of companies early to then say, hey, um, these are actually venture profile type of companies as well. And that's that's really kind of been the core. Our name itself, Will Ventures, speaks to the power of human will and is very much a nod to the entrepreneurs that we back, right? Mm. That, you know, in the face of immense odds, finding a way, right? Those are the types of entrepreneurs that we want to bet on. We spend a ton of time with entrepreneurs getting to know them really, really well, right? What makes them tick? And, mm-hmm. you know, we know, having been entrepreneurs ourselves, we know it's never a straight straight line, right? It's never, you know, from A to B. It's a lot of winding path and a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And the ability to overcome and continue to, you know, stay the course and continue to, to learn on, uh, you know, different markets and, and what, what success is defined as. And that's where we do spend a ton, a ton of time with entrepreneurs. Our name is really important. It's not a tagline for us. It's, it, it really, really is a nod to the entrepreneurs. I love that. It's, and as far as our background in and of itself, uh, you know, my background, I yeah, grew up in, in poverty, was, was homeless for parts of my childhood, realized early on sports and academics were my way out. So it's always been core to me. You know, as you said, I ended up finding myself at Harvard. I would say like the last place in the world I ever thought I would have found myself. Just thought I would have misfit and not fit in at all. And it really changed how my, that my experience there changed how I looked at the world. It just taught me to question everything. Things that have stood for a long time feed this level of curiosity. I think that's very much played a key role in, you know, now you know you're in fun too, and really feeding that level of curiosity and and you know a, a lot of different markets that we that we've had and uh, you know ended up being you know drafted out of Harvard to, to play in the NFL for those eight years. But w- during my time there was uh, really learned the first time I was handed a check was given a signing bonus for two hundred seventy five thousand hmm. dollars, and I had zero. Uh, I had always, I was a pre-med undergrad. I had zero, you know, economic finance background. And if you ever read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you, you'll fully understand this. And it, I was handed a $275,000 check from, from the Seahawks. My, my dad made $7,000 a year, my senior year of high school. Hmm. I realized knew nothing. So I decided the next three years, my first three years in the NFL, I learned everything I could uh, from the ground up, public markets, private markets, read every book I could, talk to as many people as I could. And yeah, in 2003, started angel investing and betting into well, hold companies. Hold on, hold on, Isaiah. I got to jump in. I, I just, I, I'm, I just, I'm having these um, images of you being on a plane with the Seahawks and like nerding out on like investment books and your teammates <laughs> looking over, you know, at aisle two C and be like, "What the hell are you reading? What are you doing?" I, I mean, <laughs> sir, you got to give me an anecdote about you know your your own private economic education while being an NFL player. It's just such a stark image so one thing about me um i i love 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 playing right i was never a superstar i was a grinder i barely survived eight years right barely hanging hang out with my fingertips mm-hmm. every single year was doing the you know i ended up winning the starting job at middle linebacker my, my third year and yeah i would do the dirty work on special teams right all eight years mm-hmm. being able to do that and i loved it i unbelievable i never let anyone take that nine-year-old kid out of me that like just dreamed of playing and was so grateful mm-hmm. for every moment with that being said, right, every time it was in season, everything else was gone, right? Besides family, um, everything else was gone. It was football and family the entire season. I did not focus on one other thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to be the first guy in, the last guy out every single day. So I did not touch that during the season. Now, when you have amazing off seasons that are long, you have this – I'd never had free time in my life, right? Mm-hmm. I'd never – 
well, from, from when I had started kind of on this grind all the way back, I, I was like, oh my God, I have free time. And that's <laughs> when I was able to say, all right, okay, I can actually take control of my destiny. I can, I can learn and not just, you know, hand it off, you know, hand off money to someone else and say, Hey, you know, someone else figure it out. I guess I'll just go along for the ride. So that's, that's what I did. And that's, and that's, you know, so I wasn't nerdy guy in front of you. I was, I was being able to do that with all the, you know, kind of, you know, uh, large amounts of free time that you have in the off season. Awesome. So you, you start Will Ventures, um, you know, I'll put in the show notes, you know, the, the website, and, and we'll talk about some of the companies that, that you've invested in. But as, as we stand here in spring of 2022, right, it's, it's been an interesting run in the sports investment space. I'd be curious about your current, your comp, you and your current company's thesis on sports technology and media. How, how, do you ins, how do you decide where to invest? Where do you see the puck going? Yeah, no, I, I love it. It's an awesome question. We get this all the time. And, and again, you know, you fight this idea of, you know, sometimes sports tech, if you say sports tech, right, it's, it's this, you know, automatically comes this like very niche plays across the board, which has always been defined. So the way we've defined it, we're saying, Hey, either you start in sports or you push into it and you push into a, just, a massive adjacent market, or you have an amazing tech with applicability in sports, still pushing that massive adjacent market. In the end, that sector specific lens pushes into that massive adjacent market. So almost redefining how, how we look at that, you know, what, what seems inflexible is actually very flexible. And we want to kind of architect ourselves uh, to look different. And, you know, one of the important pieces on that path, um, Brian and I started, uh, we were at an amazing company, MC10, which is, was a really a, a world leader making thin, flexible electronics, tons of applications from human performance all the way to precision medicine. It was later acquired by Dassault Systems, the large French conglomerate. What we did, we, we had this idea to start World Ventures. This is, you know, in the 2015 to mm -hmm. 16 timeframe. And we realized we needed to crystallize our thesis in order to go raise a fund and, and invest against that. So we, take, we took a, we, we started a company called the Sports Innovation Lab, founded it with uh, Angela Leggero, who was a mm -hmm. classmate of mine, at Harvard undergrad, et cetera, uh, and, take, and, and then Josh Walker as well. But being able to take a research back, it was a stepping stone, take a research backed approach to this, this market, right? Fully crystallize that and you'll know, be, be to you know, B2B market research and analysis as a way to truly cover the market and have a lean forward approach on what is valued tech from the largest companies in the world, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we had some of the, you know, the, we had you know, over a hundred large corporate acquirers, all as, all as, as clients, you kind of, you know, as they think about the build by partner decisions, being able to say, all right, this is value tech. These are real pain points in the market. How do we actually bring that all the way down? So it was a mapping of that and a crystallization around this thesis of how we take a lean forward and a prepared mind approach to these markets. And I think that cuts to the core of MC10, which is we've built this foundation of knowledge. We're continuing to learn around that. But what that allows you to do is have this, you know, quick pattern recognition of what is valued by a larger market, downstream capital, large corporate acquires, et cetera, and what is not, but still having a narrow wedge where we can identify early and provide and look different on a cap table early, provide value that could be, you know, really complementary to any large generalist coming out and after, or even in that round as well. So that's, that's kind of core on that research back thesis driven approach to identify markets. Yeah, I think the two main pieces, uh, not to go on a long diatribe, but the two main pieces that we focus on um, are really on this idea around human performance and the mm -hmm. elite athlete as an early adopter, right? You know, you know, if you think about technology uh, playing, you know, this, this idea of quantified athlete is an extension of quantified self, but in the end, that's not an elite athlete thing where we all want to feel our best and we all right. want to take guesswork how we can feel our best. That's a massive, massive market. Quantified 
itself will be realized, right? There's no doubt. There's a lot of feedback loops uh, that, and there's a lot of different spokes to that wheel on that side, right? There's different, a lot of different feedback loops that technology can create to really, really help take that guesswork out of that, right? And that really spans a lot of different markets. We've mapped that very, very clearly. Uh, and that really is, in the end, if you think, take it at a high level, that's the opening up of the four walls of the hospital. How can we all take a proactive approach to our own health and really, really, uh, instead of this reactive, episodic kind of relationship that we all have, mm-hmm. uh, have, have had for a long time, elite athletes are very motivated to get the most out of their body. But in the end, we all want to feel our best. I'm a retired player, played eight years, 11 surgeries. That I still want to feel my best, right? It's not like that's over. Right. I want to feel my best every single day. I, I always want to take guess around that. The other side of that is this, you know, sports being the last captive audience, right? This personalization of digital media as the ultimate test bed. Sports is the last thing in our lives that we refuse to time shift, right? So if you look at that entire half of our thesis around that, the ultimate test bed and the derivatives that come out of that, as you look at engagement around that, that is core to that. So that's at a high level kind of, you know, unpacking, you know, our approach as well as kind of how we look at the markets. Well, you've mentioned a couple, you mentioned a ton. There's a lot to unpack there. So I want to take just one thing. And one of the things that you talked about is that when you look at investments and you look at tech, you look at adjacencies, either if I'm understanding you correctly, either from sports into other markets or from other markets into sports and vice versa. I, I would love for you to maybe give us an example from your portfolio of uh, some a company where you feel that you identified this, what you did to do that to kind of illustrate that point. Yeah, I mean, there's there's several examples. We have we have 19 companies in our, our fund one portfolio. Our entry point is typically seed stage where we, we like to lead, co-lead, you know, on, on that side. So we, we have to invest with conviction. We're not a spray and pray investor, right? Mm-hmm. We use modern portfolio theory to get a, you know, we want to be the first institutional check and then reserve capital to, to truly feed the winners you know, on that approach. So some of that is really, really um, having a distinct point of view, a prepared mind as we look at the, at the market and identify, right? Mm-hmm. And there's several examples, you know, in our portfolio around that. Um, amazing company. Yeah. Jock market is a great example. Um, Jock market's in our portfolio. It's in the daily fantasy sports side. As you look at, um, a landscape of daily fantasy sports and where it's going, right. As it continues to evolve, understanding that, um, it is pretty difficult right now to reach the casual gamer, right. Uh, on that side, the the casual daily fantasy sports player, where you have a lot of, you know, kind of high powered professionalism on the, the DFS side, but how do you actually do that? And how do you, take out a lot of the complication around that around that appeal. So that was a deep help thesis, understood that as a pain point of this is a highly valued market that's really been untapped, that, that casual gamer. How do you kind of tap into that as well? And, you know, jock market really is this, you know, fantasy, you know, stock market for individual athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as you IPO before the game, you trade shares live through the game uh, based on fantasy projection prior to and then live during the game. Uh, so the engagement is off the charts, right? And everyone, it's it's one of these these aspects, and then you kind of settle by the end of the game, and then you start over, you know, each game over that. And mm-hmm. it's in six sports now, you know, continues to grow at, at a massive clip as well. But this idea around reaching uh, an audience and having a an actual product itself that could be as complicated as you want to make it, or as simple as you want to make it, is I have a favorite player, this is what I like, I'm engaged, be able to kind of look at the game as well, and and. You know, you think about kind of time in app, et cetera, you know, over you know, almost two hours in app a day on the users wow. that are on the platform as well. Like wow. wild, wild engagement, right? Because it's not like you set a lineup and you walk away and you mm-hmm. kind of check out. And I went, wow, once you're engaged, you're fully engaged around that. So that's 
again, kind of a lower hurdle. It's a good example around that. We've got plenty of examples across the board. Players Health is another example in our portfolio. Uh, we, you know, we led at the, the seed stage, um, uh, you know, of, of that company. And, you know, you look at an insurance industry that, um, you know, those you know, focused on kind of youth sports and kind of the fragmentation around that mm-hmm. general risk, general risk, liability, et cetera. Uh, you know, highly fragmented market and lower hurdle for innovation in insuretech. The you know the idea of you know, mere digitization of a process to really really help um, really really define kind of a market leadership around this is what Players Health has done. It continues to grow. Has been an amazing company in the portfolio. We knew that kind of uh, that the idea around kind of taking a fragmented mark fragmented market and kind of having a low hurdle for innovation, all things are attractive around it. So each of these, we're going to have a thesis around that, a pain point around that. And does this solve this as well? We're never investing of saying, hey, yeah, this is a cool company. Let's take a fly around that. That's just not what we're about. Mm-hmm. We, want to, we want to have created a reliable, reproducible result deal after deal and continue to refine that over and over. And we've got several more companies in the portfolio that continue to show great promise, all that started out with what's the pain point here and what's it solving? Is it solving a, a, a real, real issue in the market? Yes, yeah, uh, um, each of the 19 companies are profiled. Uh, you can see that at willventures.com and it's, it's very easy to click over, very easy user interface to, to see the different, um, you see right away there's a lot in the performance technology, right? And and to your point of what you said earlier that, that resonate with your thesis, I think, I don't want to call it an outlier. That's a disservice. I don't. It's not a negative connotation. I've had on this is, you know, uh, the sixth or seventh episode on the future of sports series that we're doing, right? And with you, it's the future yep. of sports technology and investment. Um, but I did, you know, one of the things that first caught my eye about Will Ventures was your investment in just women's sports. Got a lot of headlines yeah. in the trades. Um, our day job. I've just invested significantly in a media company that's um, being announced soon. Uh, that is heavily invested in women's sports content. So I was curious on that particular investment, um, just your take in general on women's sports content and uh, women's sports in general. Yeah, no, I I love that you brought that one up. Um, There's a a lot of things that we do. We want to create our own sense of conviction around the markets, the space, the founder around that. And I think it goes without saying, and that's where I started out, this discussion, which is the strength of the founder is super, super important. Mm-hmm. Just women's sports and media in general, if you look at kind of traditional VCs have shied away from that across the board yep. um, because it does not, you know, some, you know, quote unquote, fit that venture profile. Right. Yep. And um, yeah, Hallie Rosen, who's the CEO there, unbelievably talented, former Stanford soccer player, run through walls. Like she is unbelievably talented around this. And she had deep conviction around, and we believed her. We believe her and believed her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as mm-hmm. We led her seed round around that, and she continues to get just amazing traction, continues to um, really, really get progress across the board, where this is really, really the early innings for yes. an undervalued asset class, uh, undervalued market segment, where the early days, uh, if you think about kind of ESPN, what it is now, where there, there's a lot of kind of niche sports across the board where they they were kind of focused on, they were underpriced, mm-hmm. undervalued, and they were able to kind of really, really look at that. It's very much the same thing with just women's sports. There's a lot of undervalued assets, which in the end should be household names. Like there's yeah. absolutely no doubt if you look at women's sports participation as well as viewership on sports in general, 
it's 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 astronomical the the difference on viewership to actual you know ways to to look at that that is not going away and and, and honestly it's only going to grow in a, in a major way and we wholeheartedly believe on uh and in the ability for that as well as you look at engagement across the board in women's sports um to really be on par right like there is there is no doubt in the end it will be on par uh with men's sports in every single way and yeah, uh, she has deep conviction on that, and she runs the company like that as well. And she's got she's built an amazing team that that really really and and, and it's not just this hope and a vision. They go out and execute against that. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. We had uh, in this series the person who kicked it off was Carol Stiff, and I would argue the single most influential person in women's sports content. She was a former VP of programming for 31 years at uh, ESPN for women's sports, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and really responsible for it. But it is, I agree with you from a from just an objective standpoint. It just seems so undervalued. I live in the Midwest. Um, client of ours for many years has been the Big Ten Network. If you turn on a women's volleyball, Big Ten women's volleyball game, or you go to one of these, I mean, there's 12,000, 14,000 sold-out arena, Nebraska, Wisconsin. These places yep. are electric. And you walk around the Chicagoland area and you talk to young girls – it's like women's lacrosse and women's volleyball, like, and they are fans. And it's like, how is this under the radar? It's, I think it's the yeah. second, I think it's actually the third most rated content behind men's and women's basketball is women's volleyball on the big 10 network. If I'm not, I'm yeah. pretty sure of that. And it's just like, to your point, it's like you or I could go become a sponsor of that for a nickel, you know, I mean, for a song right now. And it's like, holy cow, this passionate fan base. It just seems so undervalued. So I'm glad you are talking about it because it yeah. it seems a little bit Captain Obvious, but the marketplace sure is not close to valuing women's sports on, on where I think it's going to go. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It, and it should be like that. And that that is uh, where we, we love that that aspect of it as well, where it's, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be like that. And this is almost like a, you know, uh, circuitous, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of feeding learned behavior of what, mm-hmm. what is available and what, where, really where it should be. Right. The, you know, kind of, you know, there's this kind of mail show. If you, if you're not put into, um, the habit of viewership of women's sports, then you're never going to do it. Right. So there's this right. critical mass to be able to, to and snowball effect that continues to grow as well. And we believe, <clears throat> you know, super strongly yep. around that, obviously. So Isaiah, if you're speaking to leagues, teams, or brands, which I'm sure you do regularly, I'm really curious about this. I'm curious about the advice you'd give to them, the executives, as it relates to areas of focus for creating value for consumers through sports technology. You have such unique perspective, having been a D1 athlete and an NFL athlete, and now seeing all the deal flow and investing in this. I'm curious what you would tell them. Yeah, so I think first and foremost, we always remind everybody – we are invest, we, we are institutional institutionally backed right we're backed by the large university endowments foundations we've got we do have 15 professional team owners as as investors as well we've got amazing athletes and entrepreneurs and amazing you know founders managing partners that a lot of fun mm-hmm. we are tasked with how do we drive top tier returns right so again kind of what may, might make sense for a team might not make sense for world ventures as, as we make that mm-hmm. so i think that's very clear up front which is we are mapping to venture profile and scale of companies around that now can we add we always want to be able to add value identify kind of and add value and really answer that with the entrepreneur up front of, of our ability to kind of add value and is this 
you know, there's a couple of things that we look at is this, you know, does this have multi-decade tailwinds and does this company have the opportunity to be a market leader as well, right? That's where, that's really, really kind of where we're at. Some of that may intersect with an executive at a league or a team and some of them might not, uh, right? Like mm -hmm. in the end, we want to touch bit, you know, massive markets and some of that intersects and some of it doesn't. Not that there's not a halo around how sports can be a benefit, right? So directly to a team, directly to a league, some of that may 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 have that. So there may be some applicability on what we do and, and around that. Um, I will say this though, that's different than, there's a lot of applicability for individual athletes as well. Cause I know you had mentioned that. If you think about yeah. kind of from unions to individual athletes, talent, talent agencies, et cetera, the value for the athlete as a influencer and, and that as that can, it will continue to grow, right? Mm -hmm. As a creator, as an influencer, uh, the ability to be engaged with companies earlier and really, really tilt, help tilt the playing field, especially where we play, right? A lot of that is consumer health and media, right? And yep. being able to tilt the playing field in a major way is is really important as well. So, and, and I, I always love to say this too, every single, and I talk to players all the time, right? Every player, I would say almost across the board, 99% of players, they 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 know, you know, they, they sometimes get pigeonholed for what people see on a field or a court or a rank or whatever it may mm -hmm. be. But they know they're more than they're they're defined by much more than than what people see, right? There's interest, there's passion, mm -hmm. et cetera. And having this organic understanding of of different things where they could add value around that is is, is super interesting as well. So it's an awesome question. It's a long way to response, but I think there's a <laughs> lot of different ways that we as you know fiduciaries and you know really really trying to drive top tier returns have to focus on and and have the discipline on on where we focus as well. Uh, so home stretch here, I'm going to turn this into a two-part question. The first part, are what, are the, what are the current trends you're seeing overall in terms of deal flow? The types of things that are coming in front of you and or the types of things that you're looking to invest in um, and, and extrapolating that to the larger sports technology investment space in general. Well, this is a really long question. I'm going to, I'll, ra I'll wrap it up <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> a little quicker. But yeah, we, we've got, you know, we've got, you know, seven to eight silos of deal flow where we really have uh, amazing relationships as well as again kind of how we produce reliable reproducible results right if you have any risk in any one bucket of deal for if that's cut off you run that risk right so we have you know those seven to eight silos we continue to see things across the board and i like to always say we activate our network we you know our network that that we've built out from large corporate acquirers to leagues to teams to players to other uh, co-investors to um you know unlimited partners we have universities etc if we were a, a, you know, our fund one was a $55 million fund. If we were a $55 million generous fund, who cares, right? No right. one cares. But the fact is our, our network understands that lens in which we look at. So we are able to see a lot of different deals. We've just struck a, a amazing partnership late last year with one team partners and uh, really a syndicate on the licensing arms for, you know, six different player unions, uh, amazing across the board, including NFL, PA, the MLBPA, WMBPA. Uh, MLSPA, yep. U.S. Women's National Soccer Team as well. So j just amazing around that. So you think about kind of deal flow you know, uh, for that and then the activation around that, uh, see it across the board. The answer to your question on the other side, which is, all right, you see all that, what are the areas you, you get really interested? I think that's where, where we're at. We've been building this large foundation of research to have this you know, conviction and deep point of view. Uh, again, this lean forward approach and looking at markets we see kind of, uh, you know, in, in the markets that, especially that, that I, I kind of walked through on the human performance side as, as well as the personalization of digital media. But there's there's areas, for example, that we're watching very closely 
that we are very, very excited around on the evolution of um, from this intersection of fintech and um, kind of athletes as influencers around that to fintech health and wellness to um, NIL, right? As you look at NCAA and yep. the monetization of that's, college athletes. That's the one yeah. we're seeing the most. Like, yeah, so to that point, it's like, amazing. you know, you've got those different silos and that's kind of where I was going. Is there one like, the, in, I'll, I'll call it the unsolicited inbound, which I, you know, maybe not research, it's anecdotal, anecdotal, right? So for me, as an owner of a, a media company that actually builds media properties and media companies, unsurprisingly, I get pinged from time to time for people looking for me to invest in things of, that are media company related. Adjacent to that, though, I would say the two things that I have seen in the last 12 months where people are you know, just off the transit, hey, this guy must have money, maybe he'll invest, just they'll let me take a flyer on this dude, uh, you know, the unsolicited LinkedIn type thing. It's been sports gambling, like technology, things like that, and NIL. Those are the two that have been the most yeah. prominent. So again, that's Jay Sharman's email inbox. That's not exactly yeah, scientific. Yeah. I'm curious, Isaiah, from Will Ventures, of your nine silos, is there one or two um, categories that you're seeing right now in the sports tech space that are kind of topic-wise more prevalent, more people coming to the table? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you named, I, the first two I named, like you're seeing a ton of innovation, like real innovation, but also a lot of noise, which I think is, is, mm-hmm. is partly to your point as well, which I could not agree more. That's why it's important to have like a distinct point of view of like, how do I decipher from 30 companies or 40 companies or 50 companies I'm yeah. seeing in one little, you know, in one space, who wins and why? And defining it back from the research on like real pain points of market, as well as kind of what the market wants to see, mm-hmm. as well as having a lean forward approach on adoption. But like NIL, wild, wild west right now, right? right. Boom. Like there's no doubt like around that uh, DFS and kind of people pushing into what innovation is going to look like, you know, especially as you kind of transition all the way kind of a sports betting as well. Mm-hmm. You know, tons and tons of, you know, and I think it's great. I think it's the, the more the merrier around that. Um, I, again, I, yeah, I'll define it broadly as human performance. You're seeing tons of, you know, this, you know, digital health, you know, this, this gray area of digital health, health and wellness as well. Um, nutrition, which we've kind of defined really broadly as technology as well, but like areas in which you can look at personalization across the board, mm-hmm. super, super interesting, uh, uh, areas that we look at there as well. Uh, yeah, there's, I can go on and on around the, uh, a lot of the different areas, but yeah, if you look at you know Web three NFT digital collectibles, yep. there's no doubt. If you want to talk about noise, yeah. like crazy, <laughs> that like throw another one there. Yeah. But again, there there are going to be big winners there, sure. and you have to you know we've got a, a distinct perspective around, as well as kind of thesis. You're not are you always 100 percent right? But like I think it's important to have a thesis around and stay nimble around that around who wins and why, and then who can help who can help you who can you partner with to really, you know, King make and tilt the playing field on that. All right. Last question before I get your personal one and share, share a win of, or, 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 you know, however you want to define it, one of your favorite wins from one of your portfolio companies and how it may or may have impacted will ventures in terms of um, the way you view the world. Ah, uh, this is like trying to, you try, this is like asking me to like your favorite uh, name, child, name your favorite child. That's exactly <laughs> what, if you ever had a venture capital on a venture capitalist on before, I'm sure they would say this as well. Uh, I, I, this is, this would be tough. Uh, we've got many. I'll, and it doesn't I'll, have I'll to be financial. One. I'm just kind of one where you're like, 
I love this story because it represents I, I, what you dreamed about when you opened the doors at Will Ventures. I, yeah, I love it. That's, a, that's an easy way to frame it. I, I appreciate you bring, boiling it down to that. There's a company, Tempest X. Um, Tempest X, you said? Is, no, Tempest X. Tempest yeah, X, yeah. okay. Yeah, Tempest, Tempest X Mahina uh, is the kind of full name. But Tempest X, um, amazing founder. Oh, there it is. T-E-M-P-U-S yeah. space E-X. Got it. E-X, yeah, Tempest X. And amazing, uh, amazing founder, Charlie Ebersaw has built an amazing team. But what this, what they're doing is automating. Well, that's Charlie Ebersaw's right? company? Yeah. Okay. yeah it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing company. Um, but they're, they're automating sports data collection, right? So being able to look at computer vision, uh, you know, have computer vision, really, really, you look at you know, yards, passes, et cetera, yep. automating that process where it's, right now it's done manually, right? Mm -hmm. Across the board, uh, being able to kind of do that um, in a lot of different wow. ways. And, you know, that pain point of having manual collection versus automated uh, is obviously a significant, you know, technology feat in and of itself to be able to kind of do that. Uh, the alignment uh, on, on that collection and the scale of that, of that business, it's a deep held thesis for us, um, having held that for, for, you know, six to seven years and having a prepared mind of like being able to move quickly to invest. Uh, as well as kind of add value in, into an amazing team, amazing technology team, and amazing traction they, they had as well. They have had across the board. And, you know, if you haven't heard about them, you will hear more about them uh, in the future. But amazing team, deep held pieces on a pain point, be able to add, uh, act quickly, and then, you know, obviously add value along the way. Uh, just been amazing. They've been an amazing team to work with. Uh, around that, I know I'm kind of giving you a, a high level. No, it's good. View, but that it's was good. one of those ones. Default thesis been waiting, waiting, waiting for the right company, and that was the right company. Well, if anyone's listening to this, so, Silver Lake came in and led the, the last, the last Silver round Lake as did. Well. Okay. Yeah, Silver Lake did. It's just yeah, a, it's an amazing company. <laughs> that was me being <laughs> facetious. Ah, uh, no, I know, I know. What are you reading for fun, my friend? Uh, I don't have a ton of free time uh, with the the family and uh, you know the 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 uh, the, the funds that we, that we have right now. Um, I I would say the last book I did read for for fun was a book called Why We Sleep. I don't know if you've ever, ever read it. Mm -mm. Um, book by Matthew Walker. Uh, the benefits of sleep. I'm, I've always been a huge sleep proponent since I've been you know really in high school. Uh, sleep has an amazing power uh, for um, you know, peak performance and always trying to drive that out as much as I possibly could not having, you know, uh, consider myself the biggest, strongest, fastest knowing sleep was such a, a key component around you know, how your body heals, how your mind heals and how your mind refreshes. This, this book talks around a lot of those, the physiology around that particularly your brain and how the importance around that. Yeah. I think a lot, a lot of people have this badge of honor of, Hey, you know, only sleep, right. you know, three, four hours a night. That's great. Um, I have always, always, always tried to stick to as much as I possibly can, uh, getting uh, that eight to nine hours of sleep a night. And it's not perfect across the board, yeah. but consistency across the board, I think it's really, really uh, been a difference maker for me along along the way. And it was amazing to see this kind of what I always felt in my gut, uh, really, really uh, play itself on a book. It's an amazing book. It's, well, a, yeah, it's so on sleep? brand for you. That's like the most on brand book for anyone, like relative to your entire thesis. It's of, of like Will Ventures. It seems perfect on like three <laughs> levels. So, well, uh, Isaiah, before I let you go, if, if folks, uh, you know, will post your LinkedIn and, uh, you know, other ways to connect with you, which way do you prefer to people reach out to you if uh, they want to connect with Will Ventures? 
Uh, yeah, so we have uh, incoming. You can you reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can uh, you have incoming uh, mm-hmm. on our website as well for anyone that you know wants to talk, you mm-hmm. have ideas, etc. Um, on that, and yeah, those are probably the two easiest. I'm on Twitter as well. Uh, yeah, Isaac has. Yeah, just 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 let me know. And you know, excited. LinkedIn's. I would I would say, which is probably why you mentioned it, is, is usually the yep. The, the the best platform for the, you know, the business that we're in as well. Although you kind of really, you know, uh, cut across all platforms really, but awesome. yeah, that's where, that's where a lot, lot, lot's done on our side. Isaiah, thank you so much for your time and your insights. Congratulations on, on what we you built. And uh, we look forward to continuing following your success of you and in the companies. Um, hope to get you back sometime in the future on brand story Inc. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's been fantastic. Thanks for listening to brand story Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.